Praise the Lord and good evening. Good evening. I uh, want to thank God for today. I hope I'm clear and uh, I want to give yes, to God. Loud and clear. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I thank God for this opportunity to share. First, I would, I would also like to really, really thank the cathedral management and to thank our provost and the assistant provost and all the clergy. This morning, uh, in my quiet time, I, I, I read where Paul was saying that we should acknowledge uh, those who lead us, who work hard amongst us. And um, these opportunities for me to, to share, to, to, to teach, give me a, a little bit of a taste of what they go through to feed us weekly, daily, every, every week after week. And I, I see how much that they have to put in, in terms of time, in terms of commitment, in terms of sacrifice. And so I really want to appreciate them and to acknowledge them for the work that they do. They've, they've done a great job amongst us, and I want to thank God for them. May the Lord continue to bless you, our dear provost and your assistant and the, the clergy that you work with. I don't know, you may not be here, but I hope that one day you'll get to hear this or somebody will pass on the message to say, uh, thank you so much for the work, for the labor in our midst. And uh, I also want to thank God that he still considers me uh, a, a, a vessel to use as uh, I share with you this evening. And uh, like Auntie Rufina has read, our topic today is Men Loved Darkness. And it comes from the book, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3 verse 16 to 19. I will pray again uh, before I continue to talk. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your mercy. Lord, you are eternal. Lord, your love for us is from everlasting to everlasting. And we want to thank you that you look at us, you see us from far we are in darkness, we had nothing, but you loved us. You loved us so much that you sent your only, your one and only son. Even when you knew that we would rather not have him, you still sent him and he came and died for us. Thank you, Lord, that we are no longer continuing to live in total darkness, that a light came into the world and that although it was rejected by some, but some who believed, they got an opportunity, they got the right to become your children. And those of us that are here this evening, we are your children. We are those that chose the light. And so we come to you this evening with thanksgiving, with gratitude, with grateful and thankful hearts that you've chosen us, that you've chosen us, that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And you have called us so that we can go and show and tell people of and call people out of darkness and show them and tell of your wonderful deeds and tell of all the mighty deeds that you've done in our lives. So Father, I thank you. Thank you for this opportunity for us to gather as brethren of, of the cathedral. Lord, I pray that for each one of us that is here, your Holy Spirit 
will come and speak to each one of us, that we will whisper to us, Lord, gently. I know that you're a gentle, gentle God. Lord, whisper to us, speak to us, and help us, Lord, to hear you and go away with a message. I read my word for each one of us, Father, is what I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, and uh, I want to read again, I think, the, 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 the version, the NIV version uh, of this passage that uh, Auntie Rufina read so well for us. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 16 to 19. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in, in but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Uh, I forgot to introduce myself. <laughs> My name is Kukunda Elizabeth Patrayo. I'm a parishioner at, Ugan at um, All Saints Cathedral. I worship the Lord at 10 o'clock and I also belong to several fellowships. One of them being I, um, I belong to this fellowship that meets and prays uh, on this platform, but I also belong to the Monday Fellowship where I, I go regularly. And I work at Uganda Christian University, uh, and I bless, I love the Lord. I'm one of those who, when the light came, I I chose faith and have eternal life. Um, when you read the words of Jesus that we just read, he was speaking these words to Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish council. Nicodemus had come to Jesus at night. And uh, uh, some, some commentators think that he came at night because he was scared. He didn't want to be seen. Others say that he came at night because they, they, he was busy and didn't have any other time. Others think it's because he thought Jesus would be busy and so wouldn't have time to see him. But whatever reason, uh, for whatever reason, he did come at night. And they had a candid conversation with Jesus. And one of the things that he said was that them as Jewish leaders, they actually knew that Jesus was a teacher who had come from God. Sometimes when you're reading the gospel, you can think the different gospels, it can look like they didn't know that Jesus was from God because they are always opposing. But Nicodemus was frank and said that they knew <clears throat> that Jesus was a teacher who had come from God. <clears throat> Excuse me. They also knew that no one could perform the miraculous signs that Jesus was doing if God was not with him. And so even when they were opposing him, they actually knew that he was from God. They knew that he, he 
that God was with him. Of course, Nicodemus wasn't among those that uh, really were against Jesus, but he, he, he himself actually did stand up for him, but he belonged to the Pharisees. He was one of the Jewish leaders. And so he, he's, I'm talking ab- about him as him and his fellow leaders. But their knowledge was based on sight. Their knowledge was based on logic. So they were saying, no one can do what is being done if God was not with him. They had had knowledge. But Jesus wanted Nicodemus to go deeper. He wanted him to move from the logic and to move from faith that is not based on what they see, that is not based on the miraculous signs. Because miraculous signs actually don't don't make people believe. Uh, Those who, who don't want to believe will not believe even when they are miraculous signs. God wanted, Jesus wanted them to have faith that was based on the word of God, on what God had said. And so he wanted to move them from logic. I, I identify with Nicodemus as somebody who, who, like, yeah, it is logical. If one can do these signs, then it must be because they are from God. That's easy. But Jesus tells Nicodemus that seeing the kingdom of God required being born again. And seeing the kingdom of God was not going to happen physically. Nicodemus was still being logical at this point. So he said, how could this be possible? Surely we cannot enter, one cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And this question by Nicodemus betrays the one-dimensional thinking which Nicodemus and his fellow Jewish leaders uh, had when they approached Jesus, when they approached God. Most of them were thinking in terms of the human point of view. They looked at Jesus from a human point of view. They looked at what was possible from a human perspective, which is very common to us. We, we, We tend to look at things from the human, from the flesh, from the human perspective. But Jesus wanted Nicodemus to move from looking on life from a purely physical dimension He wanted to lift them to the lofty lenses of looking at the spiritual, the spiritual dimension. And that's why he says in verse six, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And so we are being encouraged in this chapter not to look at life from a purely physical perspective, because it's that's the logical, the thinking that what we can see, what we can touch. There is more to life than what we can see. There is more to life than what we can touch. There is more to life than what what we can feel. There is life beyond that which we can experience in the physical. And that's where Jesus was trying to um, to take Nicodemus. That's the level of thinking where Jesus wanted Nicodemus to get to. And then the world that is without God, according to Jesus in this passage, the world without God and his son is dark. And what is darkness? I think all of us know what darkness is. It is total or near absence of light in the physical. But it's also defined in the spiritual sense as love of evil deeds, which keeps people from responding to the light. And so people love evil deeds and they are unable to respond to the light. Darkness in the the spiritual sense represents wickedness. It represents ignorance. 
there is lack of illumination, both in the physical and in the spiritual sense. There is absence of light. And in the spiritual sense, anything that separates people from God is darkness because God is light. And in the absence of God, there is darkness, there is wickedness, there is hardness of heart. And in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21, we see Pharaoh who didn't know God. His heart was hardened and he refused to let the Israelites go. And most human beings would prefer to be in the light than to be in the dark. I mean, most normal beings would prefer to be, most normal human beings would prefer being in places that are, that are not dark. And as I was thinking about this and praying about this, I was thinking, so are there any benefits at all in, in dark of darkness? Or is darkness to be totally disliked and, 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 and we say there is nothing good about it? I th in the physical sense, I discovered, yes, there are benefits to darkness uh, because they help to regulate the sleep and wake cycles. Uh, it is very crucial for maintaining these cycles because if you stay too long in the light, your body's biological clock will fail to figure out whether it is daytime or nighttime. Uh, those people who live in, in countries in the Northern Hemisphere, you they've experienced uh, having the sunlight go on up to 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in some countries. It even goes up to 12 uh, to midnight. In on some days, I think there is a day in the northern hemisphere where the the sun actually never goes down. So if you have that kind of life where there is no darkness in the physical sense, there is you get some disadvantages. You can't get good quality sleep because when you have those the darkness, it it improves your sleep. One is able to sleep better and you fall asleep faster if you. If you're in a dark place, because a darkness helps you to relax and it produces sleep inducing hormones. And so natural darkness does have benefits. It has its use. But where, whereas it has its use, the natural one, the, 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 the spiritual in the spiritual realm, darkness doesn't have as, as good benefits. But even in the physical realm, we still gravitate towards light. For example, if I'm in a place that has no light, if I'm in a building and I'm in a room that has no light and there are other rooms in the same building that have light, the natural tendency will be for me to want to go to the place, to the room that has light. Unless, of course, I'm in, engaged in actions that I, don't, uh, that I don't want people to know about. If I want to hide, yes, I'll stay in a dark room. But if I want, if I'm doing things that I don't mind people knowing about, I'll gravitate towards the place that has light. It is only those who want to hide things that look for dark corners. Even when you're walking at night, you'd prefer to use the streets which have light rather than the ones that are dark because you feel safer in places that are lit than in those that are not lit. Because evildoers prefer to, to use the cover of darkness to do the evil things like muggings, like snatching valuables from people who are walking. Even darkness in terms of wickedness is not appealing. Because if you're given a choice that you're going to have next door to you someone who is known as a thief or a murderer 
or an idolater or somebody who likes to argue and quarrel. And you're also given a choice to live next to one who is loving, who is caring, who is hospitable. If you're a normal human being, the choice is very obvious. You won't choose to live next to the thief. You won't choose to live next to a murderer, which is why most of us, when we get a little bit of money, if you've been living in uh, in a slum area or in, in a place that is lo- low income, you you start to look for buildings, for plots that are in better places. So if you've been living in in uh, in Katanga, although these days Katanga has also become uh, a better off place, you start looking for a place in Kololo or in Nakasero. Because nobody wants to look, live near places where there are thieves, where there are prostitutes, where there are all sorts of, uh, of evil things that happen. In verse 19, we are told that there has been a judgment. There has been a verdict which has been pronounced. In law terms, a verdict is a formal finding of a fact made by a jury or um, on a matter that a judge submits to them. I used to watch these low, low, um, I think there are shows where the, the people would, a jury would go and you wait and they are making decisions. They are arguing after, after the lawyers have argued their case. Then you see the, the jury goes into a room and they start trying to convince each other on which, what, who, who is the criminal and who is not. Once they make a decision, that is it. Uh, and that is the same as in our case. A decision has been made. In our, in the case of the world, the light has come into the world, but men prefer darkness rather than light. Incredible, isn't it? <clears throat> Even after all the examples that I've been giving, the natural thing would be we would have chosen the light. You'd expect a normal human being to choose the light. But that is not what men prefer. In this passage, in the word of God, in John chapter 3, verse 19, we are told that they chose darkness. And I was asking myself, so what was this light that came into the world that was rejected, that people chose, uh, uh, refused and decided to choose the world? The light is Jesus, the son of God. It says that, uh, God loved the world <clears throat> that he gave his one and only son to come to us. Jesus, the light of the world, came to illuminate the darkened world. His light is shed abroad in our hearts when we open our hearts to him. Sadly, when he brought us salvation, which whatever we could have done, we could not have attained on our own, whether we obeyed all the laws that God had sent, we could not have attained salvation. He carried his all our sin in his body on the cross. In spite of all that, men loved darkness and they rejected the light. I read in the commentary, one commentator said, the difference between believers and unbelievers does not lie in the guilt or innocence of either. It lies in the different attitude they take toward the light. Unbelievers shrink from the light because it exposes their sin. Believers willingly come to the light so that their real motives may be revealed. And so it's not whether somebody has done evil and is innocent or or is guilty, but it is do they move towards the light? Do they embrace the light? 
or they run away from the light because they don't want their real, their real motives to be revealed. <clears throat> and what is this darkness that men loved rather than the light? The scripture says that men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. The deeds that are opposed to darkness, that are, are loved by people in darkness, are described in Paul, in, by Paul in his letter. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 31, and again in chapter 5, verse 8 to 7. Paul in Ephesians um, chapter 4, verse 17 to 31, and in chapter 5, verse 8 uh, to 7, he lists a long list of things that are part of darkness, the things that uh, men have loved instead of loving the light. Um, I thought, yeah, here we are. It says uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 31. Oh, sorry, I'm on Philippians. It's going to ring, read the wrong one. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 17 to 31 says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the life, the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down when you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Those who have been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And then uh, chapter 5, verse 8 to 7, it goes, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the, the, by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And so... These, I, I just pulled out a few of the things that Paul talks about in, in these two passages that constitute the darkness that men love. The first one is sexual immorality. 
which happens when people defy God's law about sexual relations. The second one is impurity, any condition or quality of being impure, the adulteration, contamination. And as I was preparing this, I remembered when we were growing up, we used to go fetch water in a well where we would, the, the water would be mixed up with mud, with cow dung, our feet, which had come from wherever, would also go in that well. I, that's the sort of contamination that is in such a well. The other thing is greed, uh, which is improper for God's people. Greed is the insatiable desire to accumulate power and money and such things. Then obscenity, a very offensive or sexually shocking word or sentence, the things that people say that would shock you. These are some of the things these days whenever I, I look at, I watch a movie, I, I the words that people say, I, I just find it very difficult to watch because every other word is a, a swear word, is an offensive word, is a sexually shocking word, and you're like, why? But that's the the world, that's the darkness. Foolish talk, coarse joking, falsehood. Uh, a, a person tells you things because they want to distort truth. They want to suppress the truth. They want to deceive you. Stealing. They talked about the person who has been stealing to steal no more. Unwholesome talk, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, malice. All these are the things that are associated with darkness. This is the darkness that men chose over light. These are the fruit of darkness that people love. They are darkened in their understanding. They are separated from life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. And I was thinking, so what, are, what sorts of people are these who love darkness rather than light? And it is in that these the last few sentences that I read, which are from Ephesians chapter 5. They are separated from the life of God. That is one of the characteristics of people who love darkness. They may have, some of them may have a form of godliness, but the reality is that they are not connected to God. They are like people who, who pretend to have connections to the first family. I know in Uganda, there are people who seem to, to say that they have some connections with first family, when in reality, they actually have no connection at all. But because they name drop, they sound like they have a relationship with them. And they hope to gain favors from people who believe them. And this is true with some Christians. And I say Christians in quotes. They seem to know God, but they are busy engaged in the works of darkness that we just read in the list above, the one of anger, malice, stealing, sexual immorality, impurity. They, to they pretend to have a relationship with God because they hope to gain some favor from his children or from people who love God. But the reality is that they are not at all connected to God. The other, the other characteristic is that their hearts are hardened and unyielding to the truth of God. And so they are ignorant. The ignorance, the ignorance that they have is not from lack of information. You know, you can be ignorant because you don't have information. 
But in the case of these people, they, it's not because they lack information. It's not because they lack knowledge about God and his goodness. In fact, some of them are people who go to church regularly. And I think in the case in Nicodemus's time, there were people who went to synagogues. They were, they were Jewish leaders. They are people who read the Bible, but their hard hearts don't allow the truth to penetrate and make them wise. And so they stay ignorant. The Bible says in Ephesians that they have lost all sensitivity. They have become callous. They are past feeling and they have no sense of shame. So they've abandoned themselves to unbridled sensuality. They are eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their depraved desires may suggest and demand. Whatever their bodies demand, they'll go for it and they'll stop at nothing. And they will also go to any length to defend their right to do evil. And as I meditated on this, what came to my mind is the current wave of LGBTQ++. We have people that have become so desensitized about the scene of homosexuality and they are attacking anyone who dares to suggest to them that their lifestyle is sinful. They've gone beyond the need to cover up their sin. So in the past, they would live that lifestyle, but they would live in what they call the closet, that they are in a closet. And then they would say they've come out of the closet. But now they've become so bold as to attack anyone who dares to raise a voice against their sin. And the other people that came to my mind were people who practice witchcraft in this country. In the past, it also used to be done in the dark and at night, and no one would dare advertise themselves as witches or witch doctors or inform others that they practice witchcraft. But now it has come out in the open. I have seen some advertise on TV stations and I sometimes I feel like I don't even want to watch this TV station anymore. How can a witch doctor be advertising their wear? However, even then, these people know that what they do is evil because they never openly display their craft in daylight. I have heard that even when people go to the witchcraft, uh, witch doctors in the daylight, when they get to those places, they are gathered in darkened rooms. They don't give them light before they give them the services they want. They are put in darkness. Even the evil they do is never acknowledged. They prefer to hide it in the dark. Things like child sacrifice. No, no witch doctor will come out and say, yes, I do this. They, the orgies that these people who are sexually immoral in, in, involve themselves in, they never do them out in the broad light, daylight. They only want to show a sanitized version of their wicked behavior. When it, be, when it comes to wicked practices, they do them under the cover of darkness. They never want those to be exposed to the light because they know that their deeds are evil. They will deceive, they will threaten those who wish to expose them. Some are even threatened to the point of, to, of death <laughs> because they don't want the truth of what they do to come out. And it confirms the truth in the words of Jesus that everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. 
before uh, the, the uh, before this, I had shared that there are some beneficial effects of natural darkness, and this is that it enables a person to sleep soundly, and one is able to sleep as well as possible when there is total darkness. So while good sleep is good in the physical realm, and usually if you're in a room and they switch off the light, the first instinct is to close your eyes. It enables one to sleep well, to get refreshed, the physical sleep. You get, uh, you don't fall sick so often. You have less risk of serious health problems if you get good sleep. But the same is not true for spiritual sleep. We don't have the same benefits from getting spiritual sleep. In one commentary, it says that the spiritual sleep leads to physical death, but spiritual awakening leads to eternal life and the power. When we are asleep, we pay attention to nothing. We are unaware of what is going on, even of the passage of time. A church that is spiritually asleep becomes insensitive to its relationship to Jesus Christ. And it is disconnected to what he is doing. It becomes insensitive to its spiritual responsibilities. So while the church members may not be going away from God and they may not be breaking the laws of God, there is a deterioration of the relationship that they have with Jesus because they are no longer paying attention to what he's saying or doing because they are sleeping. So, in the spiritual realm, we are never encouraged to sleep. And of course, as we see in the physical realm, when there is darkness, the tendency is wanting to sleep. And it's the same even in the spiritual realm. When there is darkness, the tendency is also wanting to sleep. When Jesus was approaching the darkest hour of his life, he went with his disciples to the Mount Olives and he wanted to pray. In Luke Chapter 22, verse 40 to 46, Luke records this, that he told his disciples, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And then he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and prayed. Being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. When he rose from prayer, he went back and found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. He asked them in wonder, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And he urges them to watch and pray and not be asleep. In the same way, we are also urged through the, the, the letter of Paul to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 16, that we should be alert. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light. Live as children of light. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the, what the Lord's will is. Jesus is the light of the world. 
We are told in John 8, 12 that he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus has left us in this world where men love darkness. He has left us here to be the light of the world. And as I said before, when it is dark, the natural thing for us is we want to close our eyes. And if we fall, if we lie down, the next natural thing we do is to fall asleep. But we dare not allow the darkness around us to make us relaxed. We dare not relax. We dare not close our eyes. We dare not go to sleep. We dare not let our lights burn out because we are not of the world. We should not dare to participate in the dark deeds because when we do, then we let our lights go dim and get blotted out. If, the law, if we have been participating in the deeds of darkness, the Lord is calling us. This is his message. Wake up, wake up. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you as we see in Ephesians chapter 5. Be careful how you live. Don't live like the unwise. Take advantage of every opportunity to shine for Christ. For when it is very dark, as we all know, it doesn't need a big bulb to bring about light. When you are in a pitch dark place, even a small candle can make a whole lot of difference. So arise and shine. Do not give the excuse that I have a small light. How much of this can do in this dark world of sin? You know, sometimes you are in an office, there is so much darkness, and you feel like, what impact can I make? What can I do? Everybody is stealing. So what if I don't steal? It is not going to make any an, difference. But I want to tell you that the Lord is saying, whatever light, a small candle can make a whole lot of difference. Shine your little lamp. It makes a difference. It makes a difference for you because you will be able to know where the path is. And it makes a difference for the people around you who are oppressed by the darkness around them. They get to see which direction to take. So, my brother, my sister, arise and shine. Christ will shine through you to penetrate the darkness and bring light. Be filled with the Holy Spirit as you produce the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For these will be the rays of light in the world made dark by the people who love darkness. Read and study the word of God and meditate upon it. Psalm 119 verse 105 tells us that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So as I conclude, I request that each of us will heed the instructions of Paul, which he gave to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4, verse, uh, verse four verses 4 to 8. When he's talking about the coming day of the Lord, and of course we know that these are our last, the last days. This is what Paul says, and is what I would like to conclude with. But you, brothers and sisters, you are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of that day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us 
not be like others who are who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. We also need to put on the armor of God as well because we are living in a world where men love darkness rather than light. We dare not move about without our armor. We better not fall asleep. A good soldier does not fall asleep on the job. So are you sleeping? Please wake up. Are you awake? Stay awake, stay alert, watch and pray. What are you doing to impact the darkness around you? Yes, we are living where men love the darkness rather than light, but we have been given the light and we are the light. Let us shine. Let may your light shine so that people will see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for each person that has listened to this message. My Father, I pray that you help us to get bold and allow our light to shine in this dark world, that we shall not fear the darkness, but we shall move as the light that you have placed in this dark world so that people around us will get the benefit of the light and get to know you and stop living in ignorance and stop living in darkness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Over to you, Aunt Rufina. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Professor Liz, for blessing us with the word. We thank Oh, okay, my microphone is open. Thank you very much for blessing us with the word. We received that word. We've learned, we've learned a lot from your teaching. It has been so elaborate, so detailed, Professor. We thank you for that uh, teaching on man love darkness coming from John 3, 16 to 19. One may think that uh, darkness is the best thing, but... It isn't at all. It isn't at all. You've been very, very clear to us. You've taught us on how darkness is evil. Darkness is not desirable. From the beginning, man loved darkness. Much as there was darkness, the Lord God was kind to us and gave us the light, gave us the light through Jesus Christ, but still we rejected that darkness. We've learned from you. We've learned from you, Professor Liz, that there are benefits to darkness. There are benefits to darkness like regulating sleep and so on. But that benefit is only for the physical, for the sleeping only. We need to look at the other part of it as well. This, by the teaching that Jesus Christ gave Nicodemus in the book of John, which, we, which we've been looking at, through that uh, teaching, we learned that we need to go deeper in the spirit. We need to go deeper in our faith to move away from the darkness, to understand it better and benefit from the light. Light comes into the world. Light came into the world, but we chose darkness is what you taught us. But we need to move away from that kind 
of thinking. Jesus came to illuminate the earth. And when we open our hearts, he comes into us. But as human beings, we harden our hearts and fail to, to benefit from that. When we harden our hearts, we don't benefit from the light that came into the, the world. He died for our sins, but still we don't see that. We shrink away from the light. Professor, you taught us of the list of things, the list of things that uh, happen in the darkness, sexual immorality, impurity, and the, uh, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, and so on. This separates us from God. This separates us from the love of God. This separates us from our Lord God. It causes us to harden our hearts even the more so that we can continue in our evil practices. We learned that we learned that when we harden our hearts, we fail to get connected to, to our Lord God. We also learned that a church that is asleep spiritually deteriorates in relationship with the Jesus Christ. It deteriorates in relationship with the Lord God. So as a church, we should be spiritually alert and not deteriorate so that so that we stay connected to the Lord God. We are urged to pray and be alert. Where there was once darkness, we should choose the light. Jesus is the light of the world. We should desire to walk in the light. We should not dare relax. We are not of the world. We should, uh, we should participate in driving the darkness away. We should pray at all times. And we are urged to keep awake, to keep awake so that the light is the light shines into us where we live currently is all darkness we as as the as people who have seen the light we should shine the little light in the darkness and the darkness will go away we should shine our little lamps we should not be afraid of shining them we should read the word of god and continue meditating on, on it so that the light in us may shine in wherever we are. In conclusion, Professor Lee said that uh, as brothers and sisters, we should not desire darkness. We don't belong to the dark. We should stay awake and belong to that day, to, to that day and watch that day by praying. These are some of the things that Professor Lee shared with us. So let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word that Professor shared with us. King of kings, Lord of lords, our desire should be to drive away the darkness from us, my Father God, to shine the light that comes through us, my Father. King of kings, Lord of lords, soften our hearts, my Father, so that, so that the Holy Spirit may come into it, so that the light may come into it, so that that light may shine in the world of darkness and drive away the darkness from us. Though as human beings, man loves darkness and continues to desire darkness, but we who have seen the light, we should not desire, we should we should not desire darkness. We should look to the light and shine that light all around us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I've prayed. Amen. Father in heaven, I also wish to pray for Professor Liz for sharing this word with us. King of kings, Lord of lords, we pray for Professor. Master Lord, bless her, O oh Lord, for these great words that she has shared with us.
protect her from the evil one. I plant a hedge of protection all around her. Bless her, O Lord. Bless her in her work. Bless her in each and everything that she is doing. Bless her family as well. Master Lord, we worship you. We adore you and we give you thanks. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray.